with me to Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. And I believe, uh, I was talking with them, I think we're going to get it up here if you don't have your Bible with you. But Psalms chapter 2. I'm going to read it first and then we'll, we'll start in on it. Where are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devise a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand against the, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters, uh, uh, tear their feathers apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them with his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son today. I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possessions. You shall break them with an, a rod of iron, and you shall shudder them like earthwork. Therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the sun, that he might not become angry, and you perish in your ways. For his wrath may soon be kindled, but how blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Lord, we lift up your word today, and we ask that as we explore it and look at it, that you would speak clearly to us out of it. I thank you for this time. Let your word go forth and accomplish what you have purposed in your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Okay, so interesting enough, I, as I've always done this introduction this whole entire year, the Lord has began to have a conversation with me last December before all this started happening about teaching on authority. And there's something that's very important when we talk about authority, no matter what we look at when we look in Scripture, is we have to recognize to understand authority, we first have to understand who gives authority, the person that represents the authority, what are they telling you you have authority to do, you have to see yourself in proper identity to authority, and then you have to learn how to exercise authority. And so here in Psalms uh, chapter 2, it's really interesting. I was kind of um, going through um, teaching on the end times, and if you guys know me, if any of you know my history, I took a break from end time teaching because it is exhausting, um, to say that kindly. There's so many opinions on what's supposed to happen and so, and people divide over teachings on the end times. And I'd actually had the Lord warn me to just uh, back away from it and teach people how to um, go and make disciples of all nations. So I've, I've stayed away from it, literally stayed away from it. As this year has been progressing, I've had people ask me questions. Hey, do you think we're in the end times? And my answer is yes and no. Now, the reason is that the end times started on in Acts chapter 2. We're in the last days. This is how Jesus describes it. And so, because of that, here in Psalms chapter 2, most people don't actually tie Psalms chapter 2 to the end times, but you have to. Psalms chapter 2 is not a negative statement of what's going to happen in the future. It's God telling his people 
how he looks at the human race and how he, as a king, is going to govern through the ages and what you should expect from him and what you should hope for. Now, every time God decides to shake nations, people are always trying to ask, where's God in the middle of this? Now, let's, let's look at Scripture just for a moment here in Psalms chapter 2. But as we go there, I want you to see something with me. God intentionally shakes nations. No matter what man devises in his heart, God is heading towards a goal. And his goal will not be shut down. You don't have to worry that God is not going to reach his final land. He's going there. No matter what men devise to do evil, God is going towards a certain path. And so he allows things to be shaken intentionally so that he as king can reign in nations. So let's, we're going to explore this passage right now. Look, at, look what it says. I'm going to focus specifically uh, on verse 7, 8, and 9. But I want to just kind of review what we have here. That says, why are the nations in an uproar? And this is interesting. The word uproar here says, why are the nations in, in a confusion of noise? That's actually the Hebrew word. Do you see nations right now in a confusion of noise? Uh, if we are now reaching a high place of people just blurting out their opinions about everything, and yet we see no wisdom in any of it. And what's happening is because of that, People believe that they can actually rise up against Jesus and the Lord as being king of the universe, and they think if they create chaos and instability comes to nations, they'll be able to stop the lordship of Christ. And so it's saying here, why do the, nurse, uh, why do the, uh, why do the nations have this uproar? Why do the people devise a vain thing? Um, Vanity is really interesting. The word vain is used constantly in Scripture. It actually points to the fact, it isn't that people come up with plans, and it isn't that people want to do things. But when the Bible uses the term vain, it actually means it has no power to accomplish it, or it will not fulfill its purpose. And so now the Lord is here in Psalms chapter 2. Now remember, this, was, this is a prophetic psalm that was by David way before the Messiah showed up, and God's telling you his perspective on this stuff. He's saying, why do the nations do these things? It will never reach the purpose they think it's going to go, and it never has the power to accomplish what they've devised. And yet nations constantly do these things. So what is it that nations do? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and it says his anointed. It's actually a capital anointed, so it doesn't mean just someone that's anointed in each generation. It's the Lord and his Messiah. So now, think about this. The nations, kings, and judges take counsel against the Lord and his anointed. What's going on in nations right now? This idea that someone's trying to govern, and they want to be a, whatever, a dictator or whatever they're doing, they're not coming against you. They're actually coming against the Lord and His Messiah. Even if they don't recognize it. Because there's only one true king of the universe right now, and he's on his throne. And so anyone that rises up against him, they've actually come against him and decided, we're going to go after his lordship, and we're going to establish ourselves as king. 
And if any of you ever study history, you realize that never goes that direction. It never works. So what do we have being told us here? What's the, what's the plan of, of kings and judges to destroy the kingdom of God and try to challenge the, the kingship of Christ? It says, let us tear their fetters. Now, this is interesting. Uh, let's tear their fetters apart. Well, what does that mean? The word fetter here, it isn't just a binding. It means the chastisement of the Lord. They actually do not want the Lord to rebuke them or correct them. And so what kings and judges do is they take God's requirements and God's and chastisements to be righteous, and they begin to try to resist against that and teach that in nations. So their goal is to actually create lawlessness to challenge the lordship of Christ. You guys, when we were standing up here and Paula was telling you all the stuff that social media is doing, they're, they're thinking they're doing it to make money off you, but the, but the kings of the earth and people are trying to do this to teach you lawlessness so that you will challenge Christ as king. What's another thing that the kings and the judges of the, the earth do? It says, let's uh, cast away their cords from us. Well, what's a cord here? This, this is the Hebrew word for authority. Let's cast his authority from us. So you actually, this is amazing. I don't, I don't know if you guys ever watch people to get positions of leadership. The higher the position, the more they have a tendency in their heart to worship themselves. And what's interesting about watching nations and, and history is that you actually see that they challenge the authority of the Lord. They begin to think the way they think that life should run, the way that things should be done. They believe it's their right to impose that on other people. And this is where we get all this weird dictatorships and people acting like they are God. They actually come into a place of pride, and now they believe that they, they're, they're actually taking on the nature of the enemy where they think they can ascend on high and sit on the throne of the Lord. They actually worship themselves. And so they teach people lawlessness, and then they, they decide that they're not actually going to obey any authority except themselves. I, I don't know, um, how many of you have enjoyed reading any type of world history? Just a couple of you? Have any of you ever studied the history of Stalin? Yeah. Um, this guy, um, well, he was a criminal before he ended up taking his position, murdered kind of pretty much anybody that he disagreed with, and most people don't realize this, but the bio, his children hated him, uh, which you should expect. I mean, he was an evil guy. But he lived in terror his whole entire life. He wouldn't tell people where he was going when he got off work, and he slept in different rooms his whole entire life because he was always afraid of someone breaking in and assassinating him. That's why he wrote out a list of killing 10,000 people a day, because he wanted to make sure he could kill all his assassins. Now, this is what... Wicked people do when they try to take the place that only the Messiah can take. They have no peace. And their, and their oppressive thing is energized by demonic spirit. So look what the Lord says in response to this verse 4. He who sits in heaven laughs. Now the word, most of you would say, well, is God actually literally up there and laughing? Well, I don't know. It tells us he's doing that. But the, the concept here is that God has no fear of this. That's the idea. The reason he's laughing is he thinks... You're just not going to be able to do what you think you're going to do. 
Uh, this, this isn't going to go the direction you think it's going to go. One thing that I've enjoyed about this, if any of you had the opportunity, I've, I've traveled to Cuba, and so I got to go to a communist nation that's still in existence now. And the only way they can get people to do the things that they want them to do is they have to bring up fear to oppress them. And what's interesting about that is if the citizens ever would just understand their identity, there's more citizens than government officials that can actually oppress them. There's no way they should have control over them, but fear has the ability to oppress people and make them do things they naturally wouldn't do. And this is what the Lord laughs at, is that the idea that nations think they can do this kind of stuff, and that God actually intentionally resists this kind of stuff to bring them to nothing. So God laughs at them and says he scoffs at them. Uh, the idea here is that no matter what they think they're going to do, ultimately it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. And in the day and age we live in, think about this with me. We keep hearing, this is the way our nation is going to go. Are we, and, I, and through this season, I've heard people say statements like, are we ever going to get back to being who we are? Guys, God is not going to allow the nation to be destroyed. That might be the intent of the enemy, but that's not the intent of the Lord. And God is trying to raise us up in this day to understand Him and His authority to rule. Now, our parents learn that at their time, but it's our time to learn it in our generation. And we need to teach it to our children. And so God is intentionally allowing us to be shaken because He's coming back and establishing Him as a king in the midst of our country. We've lost that. And so God is going to come and now establish it again. It says, he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, now here's where we are, verse 6. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy hill. Okay, from this point on, the Psalms is going to go deep into the idea of the Messiah coming. And one of the, the ways that you need to understand the Messiah isn't just that he's fulfilling the idea of a suffering servant. He's now being given kingship. Now, this statement right here where he says, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion. It's actually this, this statement right here in the Psalms where you're moving from the idea of how God views nations to the idea of one king who's a father passing on his kingship to a son who's going to now take the position of reigning. And, it, and here in the Psalms, the Lord is going to explain, now that I'm passing it on to my son, Here's what he gets because I've passed this on to him. Now, because we, we don't live in a land of kings, most of us don't realize this, that when royalty is being passed on, there's an inheritance that comes to the new king, either wealth or land or position. And what it is, it's a, it's a form of coronating the new king so that he can prosper beyond what his original king had. So he doesn't have to build all this up. It's already there for him so that he can rise past what the, the king who's given it to him did in his lifetime. And that's a statement that is being made here by the Lord. Now, the Lord obviously doesn't lack anything, but God is saying, look, I, I, when I'm going to transfer now my kingship upon my son, and he's established. And what it tells us this, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. Now, a decree is different than just God talking. When it uses that term, a decree, I mean it comes from eternity and nothing 
will stand against this statement that is being made. It doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter what God, uh, man wants to do. When it says the decree of the Lord has come out, it's literally like a king saying, you have no ability to resist this. I'm going to do this stuff. So what is the decree of the Lord? It says this. He said to him, you are my son today. I have begotten you. Now what's interesting is this begotting, begetting, sorry, is a formal royal statement, and it's used in theocratic language to establish a king. So here's God's decree. It doesn't matter who's a ruler on the planet, I have one ruler over the planet. And, and he is my son. And because he is my son, I'm going to decree, and I have the power and the authority to do this, that anyone that tries to stand against him as king of this earth I am going to do something against them trying to rise themselves up against him. It, it just, it really, and if you watch human history, this has been the scenario throughout human history. Any time a ruler tries to raise himself up and put himself against the king of the universe, his kingdom is destroyed. It, it'll never work. It, you will, no man or no group will ever take the place of one person's rulership, the Lord's. Now, what did God give Jesus for becoming the king of the universe? It says, ask me, and surely I will give you the nations. Now, isn't this interesting? This is a, a statement that God the Father is saying to the Son. Ask me. He's saying, what do you want as me giving you the kingship of the whole earth? What do you want? And he's saying, if you'll ask me for the nations, I will actually give them to you as an inheritance. Now, this is important. Ask me, and I will surely give you the nations. And this is the Hebrew word for all nations, not Israel, all nations. So, I, I used to hear this when I used to go to prayer meetings. People used to pray this Psalms all the time. God, the earth is yours. Reclaim your inheritance. Well, that's a right prayer. That's a, that's a prayer that's going to be constantly answered to you. If you want to say, I don't know if my prayers will ever be answered, pray this prayer because it will never not be answered. God specifically has given the nations to the Lord Jesus Christ as his inheritance. So that means that any king or any person that's trying to rule, if they think they can possess that nation, it is not theirs. They have no right to it. The Lord does, and he's going to go back and grab that nation and bring it to himself because it's his. The whole world is the Lord's. We would even say that from Scripture. But it's not just a theological statement. It's a statement of a king. Regardless of how we feel of what's going on in the day and age we live in or how we understand the nations, the Lord is saying, this is mine. If you're with me in this, this thing... You're going to find that I'm going to have you come into nations and you're going to allow my kingship to come into every area of life and change that so I can receive my inheritance for being the king. Uh, does it make you feel good to realize you're not on the losing side? <laughs> then he even says this, the very ends of the earth are your possessions. So the very ends of the earth, everything on the earth is his, and anyone that tries to violate it or take it for another cause except for God's kingship, his righteousness, and for the Lord to be lifted up, the Lord himself is resisting that. 
The Lord himself is resisting it. Let's look at the next one. Then it says, how does he do this? You shall break them with rods of iron. Okay, rods of iron. What does that represent? Um, a rod in scripture, you know, Jesus is shepherd and it says uh, his rods uh, comforts me. Rods represent authority. Now, it's using a specific term, a rod of iron. The, I was looking at the word for iron here in the Hebrew. You're going to love this. The word for iron is the Hebrew word that's used for the floating axe head of Elijah. Well, what does that have to do with anything? I'm sure you didn't realize when you were reading this. You just thought he was going to use some heavy metal to beat the living tar out of all the nations. <laughs> But it, it, he's actually saying something really powerful here. You guys ready? How does God come and deal with nations that are not responding to him being king? He comes with his authority to do miracles to displace any power that's resisting him. That's good. <laughs> okay, so do we want to do a seal up moment here? Yeah. And just think yeah. about that. Something. So... Think about that. We think, how does God establish his lordship? He comes with a vengeance and he destroys everybody. But God has to maintain his love in the midst of his authority. So what God says is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with authority, but I'm going to come with miraculous power to decimate the kingdom of darkness so that this can't keep going on in the nations. Amen. Now, I actually... Uh, I've had some opportunities, and I've shared some of this. I've had opportunities to go to other nations, and when I go hang out with Jesus and go to other countries, I'm always being shocked by him because I see him, when I travel into other nations, as him acting like a king of that nation. Like when I'm back here, I kind of see him more like a shepherd of this nation. Let's see if I can describe the difference. When I go to other nations and we go, he's always challenging me, don't back off on releasing my power to these people. I'm trying to destroy something the enemy is doing in this region. Release my goodness as much power as I want to because I want to change this area. Uh, I, we were talking about this this morning in a group that I was in. We've gone to this certain city in, in Kenya called Kisi. And when we went, we, we had the enemy trying to stop the meetings we were doing by having a drunk kind of do this weird thing every time we try to have the meetings. And Islamic people, they're praying against the meetings as we were doing it. So the funny thing was, is God didn't send a lightning bolt and hit them and kill them so we could go on with the meetings. <laughs> he allowed the gospel to go for it. Healing power started touching people. And by the end of the meeting, we didn't say, you guys, you know, you need to repent or anything. They saw a demonstration of God's miraculous power, and they both grabbed each other's hands, fell on their knees, and received the Lord. Now, what happened? Because we got to go back the next year, we went, we went to Kisi, but we also went to another city, and I was sitting around with the pastors, and they're like, you'll never guess what's been going on in that town since you guys have left. The Lord has visited that, that city, he's established it, and they've been in a revival for over the last year. Now, think how powerful that is. God wants to come with authority in miracles and break. Now, there's a reason why he wants to do this. He wants to break the demonic hold that's over people's lives, and he wants to release a power of his love in such a way that it sets people free. Now, are you guys like me? 
when times get tough, I actually want to pull myself back and not do any of that. Yeah. I just want to say everything's evil. Yeah. Now, this, this is a change of the way that you have to look at the universe. God has determined, as believers, to put you in evil. I shouldn't have pointed at Steffi. Let me point at Joe. <laughs> and so that most of it's saying, boy, yuck, why would I want to be a part of that? Because he actually believes you're the solution to what's going on. He's actually going to use his rod of iron to rule through you and change things so that his kingship will be established wherever you're at. So let's use the city of Chicago as an example. If you were a minister in Chicago, if you listen to how the news talks about Chicago, wouldn't you want to get out of there as fast as you could? Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, we look at it this way. It's just evil. And it's, it's being taken over. Well, actually, a bunch of Christians ought to get together, pay for evangelists and missionaries to be sent to Chicago. But they can't manage evil that's going on there. Only the Lord can. And he's the only one that can put down the evil that's in cities. But we don't look at it that way. We're trying to figure out how to get away from it, live in mountain cities, and just eat beans and just watch the world come to an end. When he says, no, actually, you're the rotted iron that I want to send into the nation. Uh, one more thing, and then we'll look at the last part of the passage and go on. There was a book that was written oh, about 15 years ago now. is by um, Carlos Endicondia. Do you guys know who Carlos Endicondia is? Really? You guys have never heard of Carlos Endicondia? Did, did any of you know who he is? Yeah, Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. Uh, he has a book, uh, Satan. What is it? Satan, I rebuke you or something like that? It's like the weirdest title. It grabs your attention every time you look at it. Outside of Reinhard Bonnke and Billy Graham, he's the next evangelist in this century that has led more people to the Lord than anybody else. They say in, in, in South America that he, he has, in the last 20 years, had a continual revival going on in that nation. The nation itself is being touched by the power of the Lord. Now, if you know... Uh, I don't remember the title. Satan, get behind me. That's the title of his book. What he does is he actually goes into a hotel room with the Lord before they go do a meeting in a city. The Lord tells them the principality they need to deal with. He actually rebukes it. And then they go do meetings. And when he starts his meeting, now we don't ever do this in the United States, but he stands up and he actually challenges every demonic spirit in the city. And then he breaks their power. And a bunch of people fall out in the spirit. And they have to, their people have to come along in the ministry and take them to what's called the deliverance tent and take people through to deliverance while he's presenting the gospel to the rest of the people. And he does this in city after city after city. And God has literally changed that nation by using the rod of iron to show himself strong. Can I say something that I kind of see going on right now? We've been presenting the gospel with half our weapons. And I think God's trying to say, why don't you just stop telling stories and release miracles on top of telling stories? God's power changes this stuff. He really is a strong king. He can do this stuff. Let's finish this. You shall shatter them like earthwork. God is actually saying any form of evil that tries to present itself as being strong, God says it actually has no depth to it at all. It's actually a simple enemy to destroy. God, as a king, sees no one that can defeat him. 
as a king, there is no one that can defeat him. No matter how much they try to present things to you, we can take you down, we can destroy you. They do not, they are earthware, they're fragile, and God has the ability to decimate. I, I've been keeping up, uh, as we've been going through all this, I've been keeping up with what's going on in California with John MacArthur. Have any of you guys been keeping up with that? He's had, I don't know how many lawsuits against him. Every time they bring a lawsuit up against him, it gets thrown out. And they've tried to shut down his parking lot, and then the Jewish synagogue opened up their parking lot so he could get people in it. And the last lawsuit they had, they've, they've threatened to turn off their electricity, and they keep having more and more people coming to the church, and every time he gets up, they just do a standing ovation because they're like, we can't believe some church here in California has decided to say Jesus. And he keeps saying, you guys, this isn't about the governor. This is about Jesus is king, and he has to be honored as king in this, in this state. I have to do this because Jesus is king. And the last lawsuit that they had, they were trying to break some, and they threatened them, we're going to find you $5,000 every time you meet, and all this other stuff. See, they're, they're earthware. They try to threaten you with stuff that they think they can shake you with. The last case, the, the judge over that region ended up saying, well, the lawsuit that the church has brought against the state, you have to prove that you have the right to violate their First Amendment right, and I'm not going to let you do it until next year. And so the state cannot touch them anymore. And he made a reference about this, and I want you to hear this, because this ties into this passage. He said, through this whole situation, Jesus has carried him through it, and God has come behind him where he thought there was no way, and he showed that he was Lord over all of this. He says he has absolute peace as he stands with Christ as being king, and he's realized all those people that say he can't be who God told him to be, Jesus is resisting them. He's not resisting him says he has more peace now as he's obeying the Lord than when he was worried trying to please all the people of them telling him how to rule. Isn't that interesting? Now, listen to verse 10 and we'll, we'll finish up. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he might not become angry and you perish in your ways. So here's this is called the critical moment in people's lives and in kingdoms' lives. He lets him go to a point, and then he says, you, have, you do not have a choice at this point. You repent or you will perish. Isn't that interesting? I want you to see what's going on. I'm going to give you one his more historical thing that we're experiencing right now, and then we'll pray. China has, has actually, what they've done through this series of events that the world has been dealing with, China has decided that they're going to try to become the world power, and they've, they've already declared war on us over 20 years ago. So they're aggressively fighting to take us down as a nation. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but there are more Christians in China right now than almost any other part of the world. There's just literally farmers who pastor churches of 100,000 people. And it's just unbelievable the amount of Christians that are in China. The whole, the whole Asian continent is being converted to the Lord right now. So what's happening is 
You have this ruling oppressive class trying to suppress these people all the time, and the Lord is coming against them. Are you watching what's going on in China? I'm not, you talk about reading the Old Testament and the judgments of God. All you have to do is read that and watch the news in China. They're getting hit hard. And why is the Lord doing that? He's coming against the leaders. He's wanting to break them so that they can't rule anymore. He's actively coming against them. They, most people believe this is the end of China now as a communist nation. They, they've played their hand. Yes. Yeah, they've played their hand. The Lord is now moving against them. And they're, they're, in, they're being destroyed financially. The, the CCP is being destroyed financially. They're fighting amongst each other. They're, the main guy actually thinks he's, he's going to be assassinated. It's, it's amazing to watch God do this in the nations. And when you look at the scripture, you can say, of course this is the way to work. God has given them a choice to turn from being this wicked Marxist Satan worshippers, and they're not doing it, and so he's now judging them as a nation. Even though he has his people in the midst of it. Isn't that fascinating? All right, let's finish this. So what do we get to learn from this? It doesn't matter what they tell you in the news. It doesn't matter what people tell you about the future. If you're wondering how God is going to wrap all this up, he's been walking through this with humanity all the way through. And he's trying to give us a point here. You and I have nothing to fear of what's going on in the future. Because he's with us, and he's going to be a king. Did you guys pray with me? Thank you, mighty one. We bless your name. We ask that the idea of your kingship would begin to rest upon our hearts and mind, and that hope would be restored to your body. And I come into agreement. I'm not, I want to add my prayer to the prayer that Paula prayed. But I'm going to track it a different way. Lord. For all the judges in this state, for all the media in this state, and for all the political leaders in this state, I ask that you would take away the blinders from their eyes and that you would reveal the glory of your yes. Son to them. Yes. The Holy Spirit, hover over them and bring life to them. Yes. And send people from the church to preach the gospel to them. But if they will not repent, remove their influence, yes. remove their financial backing, take them out of positions of power and raise up godly people in their place so that the gospel and go forward in peace. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus yes. Christ. Amen. Amen.